The bricks they may bleed and the rain it may weep, and the damp lagging fog lulls the city to sleep. It's to hell with the future, we'll live in the past. May the Lord in his mercy be kind to Belfast. Hi, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Historical Belfast podcast, Belfast's only history podcast on the airwaves. Those opening poetic words were from Morris James Craig. It's to hell with the future, we'll live in the past. And I'm hoping you'll join me in living in the past for the next 20 minutes or so of this very first Historical Belfast podcast. They say to write the book that you'd like to read. Well, I'm already in the process of doing that, but I figured that the same sentiment might also apply to podcasts. I looked around for a decent local history podcast and I couldn't find one. I couldn't even find a non-decent one. So I thought, why not come up with one myself? The result is Belfast's one and only history podcast. The content will be history which is accessible, as I see it, not academic. And that doesn't mean that the research will be of any lesser standard. Absolutely not. It simply means that I intend these to be an enjoyable listen, not the type that will make you have to think too hard or give you a sore head and force you to switch over to Dan Snow's History Hit podcast or something. No, if you have even a passing interest in history, or the city of Belfast more generally, then this will be the podcast for you. The initial aim is to put out one podcast per month. We'll see how this develops. I am absolutely no expert in putting together podcasts. But what I do possess is a wealth of fascinating historical stories and a passion for telling them. Hopefully then the content will look after itself and my technological abilities will improve incrementally with each episode. So make sure your mug is topped up, lock the kids in their bedroom, turn up your volume and enjoy this very first episode of the Historical Belfast podcast. It's called VE Day in Belfast 1945. emerged via a radio broadcast of Germany's unconditional surrender to the Allies in the Second World War. The radio broadcast advised listeners to stand by for further information, which never came. However, the good news spread as the day progressed and the people of Belfast took to the streets in celebration. It had been a long six or so years for Belfast folk during the war. They had endured social restrictions such as food rationing and blackout, not to mention the devastating German air raids on the city, while many also had family members in the armed forces, some never to come home. Consequently, there was a palpable sense of relief and an outpouring of joy and emotion when it was clear that victory in Europe had been secured. Spontaneous celebrations broke out across Belfast on Monday the 7th of May, the day before VE Day proper. The lack of follow-up from the radio broadcast meant that there was some confusion about what would come next and when it would happen with regards to a VE celebration. 
others hadn't heard the news and were blissfully carrying on with their business, unaware of the unfolding situation. Those that did, however, were taking no chances and ensured that the party began with immediate effect. Crowds of civilians and soldiers gathered to sing and cheer and dance in the streets. Bands formed up to play, bonfires were stacked and lit, and street decorations appeared out of nowhere. There were renditions of Tipperary, Blighty, and a new favourite, Hitler thought he had us with a ya ya ya. Indeed, there'd been nothing quite like this in Belfast since the Peace Night celebrations in 1918, which of course marked the end of the First World War. At Rathmore Street off the Ravenhill Road, crowds danced and sang to music provided by three youths with guitars, while at Milady's Road, a shopkeeper erected a loudspeaker outside his premises and played dance music. Some things never change, eh? On the Beersbridge Road, slogans appeared on gable walls, which read, Long live Churchill, Stalin and Truman. While on the air raid shelters, someone had painted, Welcome home, boys. Up the shankle, there was an all-nighter. Again, some things never change. Described as an unofficial twelfth on an official scale. Every street was a mass of flags and streamers. Curbs and windowsills were chalk red, white and blue. While large street arches were erected to welcome home the shankle's own servicemen. We'll not go home till morning, chanted the crowds in the shankle. And they didn't. VE Day itself, Tuesday the 8th of May began without the familiar scene of men streaming to the shipyards and industries, though the confusion from the previous day meant that many did mistakenly head out for work, but they were soon on their way home again once they learned that they had been given two days off. Likewise, thousands of girls and women had turned up for work at the factories and mills, only to discover that they were closed. Instead, they decided to link arms and march to the city centre, singing all the way. School children were also given the 8th and 9th off school, and for some, this freed them up to collect for bonfires and on door-to-door collections for street decorations and treats. One Belfast Telegraph reporter walked around some of the districts early on VE Day to get a feel for the public mood. There was a profusion of flags, bunting and streamers, said the reporter. Children danced round the smouldering embers of last night's bonfires, besides which large stocks of fuel were being built in preparation for tonight's merrymaking. Air raid shelters, in which so many of the dwellers had taken refuge during raids in the city, were gaily painted and patriotic slogans printed in huge letters on walls and gables. Brightly garlanded photographs of the King and Queen Churchill, Roosevelt and Stalin were to be found everywhere. Effigies of Hitler, Mussolini, Himmler and others swayed grotesquely on improvised gallows, ready for tonight's cremation ceremonies. It was said that preparations for this had begun months previously, but that efforts were intensified when the announcement was made to lift the blackout. The festivities commenced properly, with the ringing of church bells and the sounding of ship's sirens for 15 minutes before Winston Churchill's much-anticipated broadcast. Crowds had been gathering for hours at Belfast City Hall, where Churchill's statement would be played on loudspeakers. At 3pm, the Prime Minister formally announced the end of the war in Europe with a speech broadcast from Downing Street.
Yesterday morning at 2.41 a.m. at General Eisenhower's headquarters, General Jodl, the representative of the German High Command and of Grand Admiral Dönitz, the designated head of the German state, signed the act of unconditional surrender of all German land, sea, and air forces in Europe to the Allied Expeditionary Forces and simultaneously to the Soviet High Command. Uh, hostilities will end officially at one minute after midnight tonight, Tuesday the 8th of May. We may allow ourselves a brief period of rejoicing. Today is Victory in Europe Day. Tomorrow will also be Victory in Europe Day. But let us not forget for a moment the toils and efforts that lie ahead. Japan, with all her treachery and greed, remains unsubdued. The injuries she has inflicted upon Great Britain, the United States and other countries, and her detestable cruelties call for justice and retribution. We must now devote all our strength and resources to the completion of our tasks, both at home and abroad. Advance Britannia. Long live the cause of freedom. God save the King. Later in the evening, for the first time in six years, Belfast City Hall was illuminated once again by floodlights at 10.40pm, much to the joy of those who had remained, and it seems to have prompted the beginning of the VE night party. More effigies of Adolf Hitler were burned, just as they had been the day before. On the shore road, people were attracted to the sound of a bugle band leading a procession of youngsters, in the midst of whom was an effigy of Hitler wearing a swastika and hanging from a gallows. Meanwhile, back at the city hall, amusement was caused when a British sailor climbed onto the statue of Queen Victoria and placed a cigarette between Her Majesty's lips. At midnight, the national anthem could be heard over the loudspeaker, with the crowds joining in. There were calls for three cheers for Mr Churchill, the man of the moment prompting deafening roars which only subsided when the voice of Tommy Henderson was heard on the speakers. Tommy was an independent unionist from the Shankill Road, but he appears to have been a bit of a mood killer on VE night, reminding the cheering crowd that they still had to win the war in the Pacific and how it was important for them to return to work on the Thursday. He then called for a one-minute silence in memory of those who had lost their lives during the war which eventually ended with a rendition of Auld Lang Syne. Thus, V.E. Day in Belfast had started to wind down to a conclusion. Not everyone had been able to take part in the celebrations, though. Key municipal workers were still required to provide services, for example the gas, electricity and transport departments. The city street sweepers, who had turned out to a man in the early hours of the morning, had the streets clean and tidy again by 9am. On Thursday the 10th of May, the people of Belfast returned to work, albeit tired and presumably with a few hangovers. 
The Belfast Telegraph reported that there were a few VE Day casualties who had celebrated a bit too well and had to spend the Thursday in bed recovering. Thank you so much for listening to this first episode, albeit a brief one. Um, I hope you found it interesting and insightful in some way. If you enjoyed it, please help me out, give it a rating, maybe even tell one or two others uh, to go and give it a listen. The next episode will be slightly longer. It's called Here's to the 44, the Belfast Engineering Strike of 1919. An almost totally forgotten episode of Belfast's tempestuous history, despite being the biggest industrial strike in the history of the city. The Historical Belfast podcast now takes its place alongside Historical Belfast walking tours and also the Historical Belfast blog and you can access all three at the appropriately named www.historicalbelfast.com. <laughs>